0: Thanks for listening to this Ave Maria Radio podcast. Be sure to share it with your friends and family and across social media. Building the church so we can bless the nations. This is Ave Maria Radio. You know, Jesus was not at all naive about human nature. He knew that uh, we are fallen sinners. He knew that his disciples were taken from the general pack of fallen sinners. And the Gospels show Jesus frequently upbraiding them for their pride and selfishness, ignorance, pointing out their sin so that they would repent and be fit for the kingdom of God. Uh, A lot of times we allow ourselves to develop uh, very high expectations, and with the clergy crisis of 2002 and then the reminder of it in 2018, a lot of us are still uh, suffering some um, resentments and bitterness as a result of these betrayals. My guest, Father Mitch Pacwa, has been thinking about these things uh, as well. He has written "Wheat and Tears: Restoring the Moral Vision of a Scandalized Church." You know Father Mitch well. He's host of EWTN Live, also Scripture and Tradition. He's founder and president of Ignatius Productions, a Catholic media apostolate, and the author of many books. We are looking today at his most recent, "Wheat and Tears." Father, good to have you back here. Thanks.
1: Al, it is wonderful to be with you again.
0: I think that uh, this is a very timely book. Uh, it, 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 time goes by, of course, and people uh, heal over a bit. But at the same time, there's this terrible incongruity between what all of us are called to be and how far short we fall. But it becomes especially pronounced when you've got priests who have gone through the sacrament of holy orders, who then uh, betray uh, their promise and their vows. Where, as a a priest yourself, uh, as a Jesuit, how did you begin reacting and responding to these claims? I mean, you actually knew about some problems going back to when you were still
1: in seminary. Uh, Here's uh, something that I would say. No, I started seminary. At the high school level back in 1963, mm. the council was still on and would be on for another couple of years. Uh, my my class was very large. There were uh, 800 of us plus in the freshman class to start seminary that year as 14-year-olds. As and I, I would say this. I did not even hear rumors of any kind of sexual uh, fooling around or sins taking place. Now, we didn't live at the seminary. We commuted from home Mm -hmm. and went there every day. Uh, We still, the seminary rules were that we could not date. Uh, We had to go to daily mass, daily rosary, three hours of homework a day. All of that was an expectation. And... Had there been something going on, guys would would have at least whispered under their breath a little bit, of, hey, watch this guy. Right. There was nothing. Right. Nothing. And, uh, and all the way until uh, uh, 1975, I did not hear or come across anything along these lines. But in 76, was the first time I saw uh, a couple of uh, seminarians, you know, acting appropriately, uh, you know, kissing each other. And mm, okay. I was shocked into I, I didn't know what to do. Right. I I, <laughs> I just was completely shocked by this it was not part of my world. I mean, my family's Eastern European. No I Kissed my grandparents, uh, uh, you know, my grandfathers as right. well as my dad. And that, right. that, that's, you know, grandmother's aunt. So uh, that, that was yeah. just part of, you know, culture. But yep. it was never you know, kissing somebody on the lips or something that had any sexual content to it. Um, this was different. <laughs> and I went. Uh, I actually went away to grad school in 79. And when I came back from grad school, being down in uh, Nashville, Tennessee, for those years. I came back in 85, and all of a sudden, there was a gay subculture. Oh. And again, I was really shocked yeah. that this happened. Um, and it was not long after that, it was in the mid-'80s, that the first case down in uh, Lafayette, Louisiana, came out and again this was I, I thought this is how it was bad enough that you know I hear about these guys as adults yep. but for someone to mess with a child right? I, I just found that outrageous yeah. um, well you know then we start to hear a trickle and then a, a roar and all sorts of cases come out and a few steps are taken in the early 90s but it, they're insufficient and then finally in 2002 uh something of an overreaction in some ways i mean it, it, the 2002 document had a certain um you're guilty to proven innocent quality mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but it but it was not something that really included the bishops who were right. the ones overseeing this and this last wave of the crisis that we've been experiencing over the last four or five years has had to do with them. So it's a, that's a brief overview yeah. of how things have gone. And statistically, my experience matches what's been going on um, when uh, it's men who are ordained and are going to seminary in the early to mid-70s. It's a bell curve. It, there's some cases going back earlier. It rises in the early 70s mm-hmm. and into the it stays. Uh, uh, you know, the the top of the bell curve would be in the 80s. Starts a decline in the 90s, and then sharply goes way down mm-hmm. in right. the uh, after 2002. Yep. That that seems to be the pattern. And so my own experience of this fits what I've seen statistically. It is something that has involved 3% of the clergy in child sexual abuse. Um, and here's one of the things that I want to include, Al. I, 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 you know, this is not to say we're not so bad as other people. No, we're, we're okay. No, 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 no that's <laughs> right. not what I'm saying. No, I know. But what I am saying is this. The rise of sexual abuse of children permeates the culture. Yeah. And in some parts of the culture that have not had the Klieg lights of the media focused on their behavior, it continues to rise. So that in a study done by the United States Department of Education in the 1990s by Cheryl Shakeshaft, and that's a study anybody can download for free Just look up Shake Shaft, Cheryl Shake Shaft. Dr. Shake Shaft uh, studied for 10 years and saw that in that 10 years, there were 290,000 cases of sexual abuse of minors reported by the public school teachers, administrators, and staff. That's huge. Over half. Uh, it's, and, and at that point in their study in the 90s, it was 9.4% of all faculty. That's three times more than among the clergy, hmm. well, which means a serious – and it has increased percentage-wise. So you can't just use absolute numbers because there are more teachers than there are uh, yes. priests. Right, right. But in terms of percentage of those professionals – it's uh, it's 9.4%, about 3% of priests. Doctors and and medical professionals are something like 5%. Yeah. And then there's a high degree of this in private homes, especially when you have a, a woman who has more than one man that has lived in her household and children by an early relationship are sexually mature, and they become liable targets for men who come later. That's yeah. that's, the, that's say. Now, there are exceptions, all sorts of exceptions, but this is a pattern in our culture. And tragically, after the sexual revolution and a variety of issues, uh, I, I said, better put it this way, a variety of crises about the Catholic faith, the clergy have also partaken in this pattern in Western society. Yeah. Um, now it's, it's a uh, trafficking of, of children and women is very high. Uh, enormous numbers. You're talking 45 million people being trafficked uh, worldwide, uh, which is more than all the slaves brought over from Africa to the Americas. Yeah. Um, both north and south, and it's horrendous. And we have addressed this in the church on a number of legal and punitive ways, which is good. You know, I'm not saying that that's a bad thing. You know, legal processes and punishment for misbehavior is appropriate. But there must be, be something that also goes to a more profound level of our Christian identity. If we leave it on the level of the courts, punishment, legal processes, etc., then we still won't have the internal change as Christians, and that's why I wrote this book. I am not a psychiatrist or a psychologist. I'm a scripture scholar, and I am not a canon lawyer at all. Um, that's no—that's not my area. I don't try to get into those areas or make recommendations. But I want us to examine the Word of God in order to better understand ourselves, the failures of priests, and the sufferings of victims, and yes. to see the redemption that our Lord can and desires to bring us yes
0: and again the book Wheat and Tares we're gonna be picking it up in the next segment is really focused on taking a look at Jesus and the Apostles and looking at this problem through the experience as portrayed in the Gospels we'll be back on the other side of the break there's gonna be some great biblical material here Father Mitch Pacwa my guest Wheat and Tares Restoring the Moral Vision of a Scandalized Church. Good afternoon, I'm Al Cresta. With me, Father Mitch Pacwa, taking a look at The Wheat and Tares, the name of his most recent book, Restoring the Moral Vision of a Scandalized Church. Father, why don't we begin with that uh, the parable of the wheat and tares and what that tells us that's relevant to this larger question of uh, sure. scandal and uh, the uh, priestly abuse. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, one, one of the keys is that our Lord lets us know in this parable and the parable of the dragnet in the sea and other ways, other parables, that he is going to have sinners in the church, that the wheat is what he sows. He expects the church to be good and holy, but the evil one, Satan, sows weeds. And it's not something that was a vague theory for him. He knew he had Judas, and he also knew that Judas was a thief, he knew that Judas would betray him. And just as in the parable, he didn't say, Judas, you out, <laughs> out. No, he didn't tear the the, the weeds yeah. out yeah. because it would disturb also the wheat. And he suffered death because of it. This is part of the reality of the church. And it has been the case through the history of the church that there are sinners in it. Many of them become great saints, yeah. but many do not. Yeah. And we can see about every 500 years, there is a major crisis uh, among wide parts of the clergy. You know, in the first uh, about 500 years into the church, you had... At one point, the majority of bishops in the East, 85%, denied the divinity of Jesus Christ. Right, the Aryan controversy. In about the year 1000, widespread concubinism—that that is, priests were having the girlfriends live in the rectories Mm -hmm. with their kids. It was widespread, and in the religious orders, the monasteries, there was a widespread homosexuality. But Saint Peter Damian, one of the doctors of the Church, was raised up with Pope Saint Gregory the Seventh and a number of other saints. Pope uh, or Saint Bernard, they responded to that. You have around fifth the fourteen hundreds, fifteen hundreds. You have the all kinds of moral failures among popes, bishops, and clergy that was part of the background for the Reformation, and now we see it again. This is a pattern. But it's the way out has always been the saints being raised up by God to correct it, and that's uh, rather than just pulling them up. Yes, and this is important um, because I
0: think all of us— would like to see the purity of the visible church, right? The bride of Christ Absolutely. in all of her splendor. And there is a great temptation to, to pull up the weeds. Um, yep. and, uh, also, you know, what is the balance between proper confrontation, uh, like the gospel reading this uh, Sunday, for instance, when a brother offends against you, go and you know, you properly mm-hmm. uh, confront him. If he mm-hmm. won't hear you, you bring another. So I mean, the church does have a a even among lay people, it has a way of, uh, kind of challenging one another, exhorting one another, admonishing one another, in order to mm-hmm. lift us. Um, but we we have to simply accept uh, that until the 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 end of history when the sheep and the goats will be separated uh we we're going to have to tolerate uh the the tares along with the wheat and Saint right. augustine was In big the, on our, that
1: absolutely it, it, you know anybody who is a decent pastor has to be familiar with that yeah. You know this is part of life and my confessor is familiar with it yeah you know, sure uh, sure, because, sure. Uh, i i also have to be alert more to my own sinfulness again as in the gospel that plank in my eye is more of a concern to me than the splinters in everybody else's eye yes yes
0: um so Jesus knew that the church would always uh, include sinners. And uh, I guess knowing that uh, what, what I mean what was his criteria for choosing the 12?
1: He doesn't say. Except <laughs> I know after, Go ahead. after yeah. being with the after praying to the Father all night then he chooses them. Yeah. And that these fit a wider pattern because, you know, you. one of the things I point out is that there were a lot of tensions. You had Matthew, the tax collector, working for the Roman government, and Simon, the zealot, trying to be a, a rebel against the Roman government. Yep. You had the the, the the tensions of the apostles. Which one is greater? What are we going to get out of this? If we because we gave up everything already, what do we get? I all these things come up, and it's one of the great things about Jewish literature in general, and the, including the Gospels. They don't hide their sins and failures; mm-hmm. they include them. And that's uh, and the gospel most associated with St. Peter, which is the Gospel of Mark, is also the gospel that shows him to be the worst of all the other gospels. <laughs> uh, you know, it's it, it's they're very honest, but we see that. Uh, I especially emphasize the weakness of the apostles, who are the first bishops and the pope. Right. After, within hours of their ordination, their first Holy Communion, and one of the longest teachings Jesus ever gave them as a small group, they run away. One betrays him with a kiss for money. Yeah. Which yeah. Judas is, in that sense, a perfect symbol of what's going on with this scandal in so many cases Mm -hmm. because there's monetary as well as sexual misconduct. That's right. And the Pope denies knowing him and the others just run away and stay in hiding for days. This is our situation and we do well to contemplate, again, those of us in the clergy especially, but all of us. Yeah. I also want to go add one other thing too, Al. Sure. Uh, I go spend a long time in this book, a couple chapters on the sufferings of Christ because of the failures of the apostles. This is a way to connect with I, the sufferings
0: of the victims. I think you point out in the exactly, book. Yeah. exactly. Yeah,
1: exactly. That it is the the and we have to have that sense of tremendous empathy for those victims and our own contemplating of their suffering as it connects very directly with the sufferings of Christ. Because from the beginning of the scandal, my concern has been to whom would these victims go to receive Holy Communion? Yes. To whom would they go for confession? This is a heartbreak for me as a priest that's and it 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 tears me up and we need to understand and i i hope somebody lets the victims see this book and understand their pain in that light Mm, very good that's that's a good the, the final thing i would just want to make sure that folks understand in the book i also go to the resurrection ascension Pentecost and the role of Our Lady, because Christianity is also about redemption. And in the resurrection, our Lord meets these failed apostles repeatedly. He calls them to faith. You see a major theme in the resurrection accounts none of them believe in his resurrection they are not waiting for him to rise on the third day they all don't believe it when they see him they doubt and this addresses the question of the lack of faith that is part of the problem among so many of the clergy Hmm. but he has to be the one to meet their lack of faith and our lack of faith and encounter jesus our lord so that we can grow in faith and be reconciled to him. Like you reconciled Peter and the other apostles and to see that the gift of the Holy spirit is necessary to re empower priests to get back to the ministry and the church to stop focusing on internal stuff and focus on the mission of Jesus to move out of the upper room in our grief after these failures, and to see the Holy Spirit empowering us. And I give lots of meditations on receiving that and the role of Our Lady. Our Lady has been so neglected in some of the uh, in the 70s and 80s. Right. Um, we need that as a part of priest's spirituality and every Catholic's spirituality.
0: I wanted to ask you uh, one question here uh, before we, we leave. You point out in the book that one of the reasons for the great shock and scandal is because Catholics make so much of the Eucharist, body, blood, soul, yeah. and divinity. Yeah. And, um, yeah. and it, it's the, it's the what, what is it, the incongruity of priests who, you know, uh, with uttering the words of con- uh, consecration, the words of institution, who mm-hmm. can consecrate the Eucharist for us, for them at the same yeah. time to be engaging in behaviors which are really grotesque. Right. Yeah. But but at the same time, uh, Jesus did choose the 12, knowing that, uh, I mean, these are people who are willing to leave their former ways of life and follow Jesus, and at the same time, they're men filled with ambition, greed, envy. Yep. Uh, so it's yep. this is... It's, it, this is a kind of a constant uh, issue within
1: the Church. Um, Absolute, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, for every generation. Our Lord spent the three years of teaching, and especially the last two years of it, in correcting the Apostles over right. and over again. Yep. He addresses their sin, and all of us need to let him address our sin in our daily lives.
0: Father, thank you so much. Great talking with you again. Always appreciate I your always work. to lie down. All right. We'll talk again. Father Mitch Pacwa, Wheat and Tears, Restoring the Moral Vision of a Scandalized Church. It is a great scripture study, too. We'll have it available for you.